0: Welcome everybody, good to have you online, really glad to have you here, uh, Orland Park and you know New Lenox, Homer Glen. Do you remember when it wasn't winter? That was awesome! Uh, that was Chris Farley for you, sorry. Um, you got to admit Christmas is, a, I mean, it's cold out, out there, man, isn't it? I mean, but, but it's, it's a weird holiday. I mean, we sit around a dead tree and eat candy that we found in socks on the fireplace. Think that through a little bit, right? And I know the kids are getting punchy right about now, and you're like, I I don't know know, if it's gonna be presents or coal for you. My executive pastor, Bill Brown, sent me this Christmas tip. This might be good for you parents. Wrap empty boxes, put them under the tree. Every time your child acts up, throw one in the fireplace. (laughs) There you go. You wanna keep going? Bill's kids are pretty messed up, I will admit, but it might work, okay? (laughs) Christmas starts for us on Wednesday. I know that's weird. Every once in a while, we have 18 Christmas services. Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve Eve, Christmas Eve 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 and Christmas Eve 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 Eve, Eve okay? Um, that's what we got, and you know why we do that? I mean, sometimes I drive by another church and I see like, you know, Christmas Eve at four and six, and I'm, I'm a little jealous, you know, because it's a little insane around here, but I'm really not for very long. I love that we get to do what we get to do because there are so many people out there that don't know the story. And the reason so many people come here is because we do it up big, we do it up right. So Christmas Eve is gonna be a different sermon, different service than anything you've seen here. Uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff to be able to celebrate together. But, but the heart about it all is that there are a lot of people that don't know that Jesus is real. And, and let alone that he loves them and wants a relationship with them. And if they do believe in God, they just think God is mad at them, right? Just God made up all these rules that he knew we couldn't follow so that he could be mad at us all the time. That's kind of where they're coming from. And that is, it just breaks my heart on behalf of God because that's the opposite of the story. And we all want our friends and family and our neighbors to know who God really is. So who are you inviting? That's my question for you. Who are you inviting? I don't know which services will be packed out. We never really know exactly how it's all going to go. But at all three of our campuses, we will have a bunch of services. And uh, and then, you know, because we've done that Christmas Day, we're not having anything. And the next weekend, we're, we're, I'm going to do a sermon online so that you can have New Year's Eve with your family and our volunteers can rest. And then on January 8th, we're going to start a message called Jesus Who Is this man. And um, we're going to focus on that throughout the whole year. And and that's going to be based on a a book called Quest 52 that I'd love for you to get. And and I just want you to understand that this is going to be the focus for us. I'm going to preach on it for a while, not the whole year, but we're going to go through the whole year and help you really. I I hope by the end of 23, when we're back up here for Christmas Eve, 23, uh, you really have a much better understanding of Jesus. And that's what we're doing with this series. That's what we're doing all the time. Um, I hope you're ready for Christmas. I think I'm ready. Uh, It was a little harder with the snow, but I got my lights up and I think they look pretty good. (laughs) I hope you're doing good, okay? Uh, Untangled, uh, the the, the, uh, untold story of Jesus is the story that we don't know. And you love the story of Virgin Mary, I told a couple of weeks ago. Let me tell you another kid's messing up Christmas story. Seven-year-old was drawing a picture of the nativity scene. He had Mary, and he had Joseph, and he had the baby Jesus, but then there was a fat guy over there in the corner that he he had drawn. And his parents were like trying to help him separate you know the christmas story from the santa story and the parents were like well you know johnny every kid's name is johnny right in a joke i don't know johnny is that santa and he said no no that's round john virgin (laughs) i mean when you interpret it from a kid's standpoint Right, Virgin Mary, Round John Virgin, okay? The, the back story of this is the stuff... I mean, we think we understand it now. We can laugh at that. But the truth is, there's a lot of this stuff that we don't understand. So we started two weeks ago with the with, the with miracle. It's a never-ending story. That, 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 that the incarnation that, that God coming to live with me is not limited by me. It's about God with me. And Emmanuel means God with me. And, and Jesus said, surely I am with you always, Even to the end of the age because nothing is impossible with God and then Todd did a great job talking about the crazy politically incorrect story of Christmas and how the shepherds and the wise men and Mary and all of it were not the right kinds of people for this story and that has deep significance for all of us and today I want to talk about Christmas untold story as a love story not not the kind that you might imagine but Listen to this. Here's Paul's version of the Christmas story in Galatians 4. When the time had fully come, God sent his son... Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive full rights as sons. We just went through the Lord's Prayer together and, you know, we talked about Abba, right? We talked about our daddy in heaven. And, and, and our daddy in heaven gave us full rights of sons. How did that happen? It happened when God sent his son, okay? So this is Christmas, Here's the Apostle John's version of the Christmas story. And mo- normally we just read Luke and we read, you know, Matthew, but here's John. In the beginning was the Word, another, another name for Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. And Jesus, the Word, became flesh and made his dwelling among us, We have seen his glory, the the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So when the time had fully come, Paul said, God sent his son. And here's the thing that we don't think about nearly enough. Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. This was a plan that had been unfolding for a very, very long time. We go back to Genesis, and and God said, let us make man in our own image. What did he mean? It's the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I can't explain it to you. No credible theologian would ever claim that they could explain it to you. It is above our comprehension. But we know that Jesus was there in creation. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. As a matter of fact, you get all the way over to the end of the Bible, and it says that the Lamb of God was slain before the beginning of the world. So before they created Adam and Eve and the garden and all of it, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit knew what was going to happen. And before they spoke time into existence, they determined the time that Jesus would be born so that he could save the world. Does that just kind of blow up your brain a little bit? Talk about an untold story. So when you go back and you read Matthew and you usually skip through the genealogy, I know, because it's boring. Somebody begat somebody, I get it. You get down and what you find in verse 16 is that Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Joseph. This showed that the fatherly line went back to the right genealogy. And then you would expect to see it say, Joseph, the father of Jesus. But that's not what it says. It says, Joseph, the husband, Of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called the Christ. Okay? Jesus wasn't born of man. He was born of God. He was not an ordinary child. He was not a gifted child. He was not a teacher of God. He was not an ambassador for God. He wasn't God's little elf. He was God and man in one. He was the creator and the sustainer of the universe one day and a tiny little baby the next. So if I'm you, I've never heard the story maybe before, I'm like, why? Why a tiny little baby? Because God wanted to send his son and Jesus wanted to come incognito, okay? Um, It's the same reason I don't wear a clergy collar. Can you imagine me in a clergy collar? Does it just give you a weird feeling? I may preach in it for Christmas Eve, just walk out and be, you know father Tim see what happens but 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 you know what happens I don't want people to know I'm a pastor like for a while okay because it makes me crazy because when people find out I'm a pastor they start changing right they start to hide their beer they they say stuff like son of a gun (laughs) well praise the Lord I'm hashtag blessed yeah I go to st. what's-his-faces church over there in Winchesterton Fieldville that's a line from Mr. Deeds. I know you were wondering. You'd heard it before. Okay, try to keep up. Jesus knew that he came, if he came as God, if he came in as Superman, even Superman knew to be Clark Kent, right? Nobody would relate to him, nobody would understand that he understands us. So when we're living 2,000 years later, if Jesus comes in and boom, he's superhero, and he comes in and he lays down his life for all of us, we're like, okay, great, that's wonderful. But you don't really understand where I live. But if Jesus comes down as a tiny little baby to insignificant parents in an insignificant place, in an insignificant time, with insignificant people around him in your manger scene, and he grows up to be like us, and he dies on the cross and he rises again, then we know that he gets us. And if you, if you haven't seen that campaign on TV, um, I just found out two Super Bowl ads have been, um, have been put together for He Gets Us. It's so great. It's a bunch of people around the country that are working on this to try to put Jesus out there in a really, really cool way. He gets us. And that's exactly how God slipped into this world, incognito, unnoticed as a baby. The old spiritual song said, sweet little Jesus boy, we didn't know who you was. But don't let that fool you, because all throughout the Bible, we are taught that, that Jesus was God. In Isaiah, it was prophesied, a child is born, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Many of you have sung that before, right? And it's going on in your head right now as you sing the Messiah. But did you ever think of, really think about this? They called the Son the Everlasting Father. They called him the Mighty God. That's the Trinity at work right there. And when the angels came, they said, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ, that meant Messiah, the Lord, okay? He is the God of the universe. And Jesus even said, hey, you guys, they they said, show us the Father, Jesus. And Jesus is like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. As a matter of fact, that's why they killed him. Do you realize that? For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, because he healed a guy, God forbid, on the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God, because he was. If I claimed to be Albert Einstein reincarnated you would ask me to prove it by explaining the theory of relativity. And I can't do that. If you met me in Kalamazoo at a Burger King and I said, I'm Elvis Presley. You would challenge me to sing or to you know shake or, or something. And it would soon be obvious that I'm not Elvis. And I'm also not 87 years old, which is how old he would be right now. Jesus proved that he was God by doing the things that only God could do. He had an extraordinary birth, born of a virgin. He lived an impressive life. Scripture says no one could find any fault in him. Know anybody like that? He taught deeply profound truths. They said no man spoke as he spoke. He performed powerful, undeniable miracles, calming the storm, walking on water, raising the dead right there in front of other people. He died an incredibly inspirational death, so inspirational that the centurion who had crucified a whole bunch of people in his lifetime walked away and said, surely this was the Son of God. He celebrated a spectacular resurrection. The stone that sealed the tomb was rolled away, and he appeared, the Bible said, to more than 500 people after his resurrection. It wasn't just like a story. And he left in a thrilling, dramatic way. As the disciples gasped, Jesus just went back up into heaven. And the angel said, hey, he's coming back the same way. I think he proved what he said. So God sent his son, okay? But let me back up to the first part of that verse because I want to take a moment and help you to understand the timing. It's so important to all of this. When the time had fully come, okay? In those days, your Bible says, when you read the Luke 2 story, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that all the world would be taxed. In those days, that's so interesting. When the time had fully come, was it a great time for Mary and Joseph? No, not so much. Was it a great time for the world? I don't know. But it was God's timing that had been prepared from the beginning of time that it would happen now. Let me help you to understand that, okay? When I have a special gift, when you want to give a special gift, you have to give it at the right moment. And baby, I didn't tell them that I was going to tell our secret, but when I gave Denise her engagement ring 39 years ago, I didn't do it during a commercial while we were watching football because she would have been asleep. Okay, or lunch at McDonald's. It was a very romantic evening at my apartment with all the right settings. Number one, my roommate was gone. I had already worked that one out. Uh, the ambiance was perfect. It, I made her dinner, and uh, we had candles, and you know, I had made a tape that I had recorded, especially for the occasion. No, it wasn't an eight track, you punk. Okay. Cassettes had been invented by then. And I had put a mixtape together, and just as the right song was playing, I'm pretty sure, correct me on this, it was Journeys Faithfully, right? Boom, yeah. (laughs) I gave her a single red rose. I don't know where I got this idea, but I gave her a single red rose, and I knew that the first thing you do when you get a rose is, what do you do? You smell it, and when she took it to smell it, the ring was inside. Bam! <laughs> Smoke that, Hallmark! Ha ha! Hey, I had to be romantic, man. How, how else could a guy like me get a girl like her to say yes? I pulled out all the stops. But listen, when God decided to send his special gift, the timing had to just be exactly right. So put it in world perspective. I, I know we live in a very, very different time 2,000 years later, but, but understand a couple of things. Culturally, 300 years before Jesus, Alexander the Great had conquered the world, and he was Greek. So the Greek language was the universal language in most of the known world, which, would, which had never ever happened before. Again, we don't understand that now, but then it was super important, because then, as they went to spread the gospel, there was a common language, and the New Testament was written in the Greek language, which happens to be... Scholars will back me up on this. The most precise language ever written. So that's why sometimes you'll see preachers go back and go, Oh, well, this is what the Greek word really meant in here. Because, like, love has four different meanings in the Greek language. Because there's a lot of different kinds of love, right? So that happened. Then, politically, Alexander the Great died at 33 from an STD because he could conquer the world but not his own lust, and yes, there's a sermon in there somewhere, and his death started a civil war that paved the way for the Roman Republic to come along. In 27 BC, the Roman Senate crowned their first Caesar, and they didn't like the term king, so they called him Augustus, which meant king. Right? So here we are again. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the world would be taxed. And he did that so that he could figure out where everybody was from and he could get taxes from everybody. But that meant that Joseph had to go to Bethlehem, which fulfilled a 400-year-old prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So the Roman Empire helped prepare the world for the spread of the gospel also. The, The Greek Empire did it, and then the Roman Empire did it. And the thing about the Romans is they built roads. The Roman roads were the best that had ever been. And they had laws that protected the rights of their citizens, and their soldiers kept the peace. I mean, we often look at the Romans as the bad people, but this was Pax Romana, if you remember this from history. They did a lot to keep the peace of the world for a long time. So missionaries, like the Apostle Paul, were able to travel from one country to another without restriction. Again, we don't get this, because now we can do all that stuff, but back then... This was the first time that you could do either one of those things. Have the same language, have the roads and the freedom to travel. And then the third thing was religiously. Because for hundreds of years, God had drilled the Jewish nation in the fundamentals Of there is only one God, not a whole bunch of other gods like every other religion. There is God is a spirit and not an idol made by hands like all the other religions. And there are some standards that we should live by, the Ten Commandments and the the things around them. And and, and so those Jewish people were also anticipating a Messiah who would deliver them. But the Jewish people were persecuted and they were scattered throughout the world, which meant that in just about every town, there was a little settlement of Jewish people that believed in the one true God who was a spirit, who had ways that were right to live, and that one day there would be a Messiah who would come and save the world. But for 400 years, there had been no word from God at all. And there was a spiritual hunger. And the gods that everybody worshipped, the Roman gods, the Greek gods, they were very empty and the people were sick of all of that. They were ready for the coming of a leader. So read that sentence again and maybe now it makes a lot more sense. When the time had fully come, God sent his son. But I call this sermon a love story because what I want you to focus on is the father and the son, all right? Again, in the beginning was the one who was called the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? Remember with? Remember that? Okay? We talked about it two weeks ago. God and Jesus were with God and Adam and Eve were with, and then they got separated, and, and we've been trying to recon- reconcile that ever since then, and someday we'll get to fully be with God, and until then we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and we try to bring the with to the, to the earth as much as we can, but, but I want to go back and remind you that God and Jesus were closer than close, since before there was anything, before there was even time, they were so close that they weren't really two, they were one. But then, when the time had fully come, God sent his son. Here, let me just finish up with these two words because this is where I, wanna, I, I want you to end up today. It's the God sent. I think the untold love story of Christmas is in the time when God the Father and Jesus the Son had to say goodbye. Goodbye. The love between the father and son that led up to Christmas. Christmas is a love story because Jesus and his father had to say goodbye. And Jesus had to leave his father's side to come to Bethlehem. And let me me say it this way. In other words, before it was time for Mary to have her son, it was time for the father to say goodbye to his. He had to say goodbye. Think about your hard goodbyes. I don't want to be a downer, but just think about it for a minute, because this is where I want you to understand more about God. Uh, for us, be some some friends that we've lost along the way. Um, Denise's parents last Christmas, we lost her dad, and it was very very sudden. They didn't have enough time for the goodbyes. When we moved up here from St. Louis 33 years ago, we had to say goodbye to some friends and. Um, You know, we stayed close for a while, but you know that's never going to be the same. Two weeks ago, I moved my parents from Fort Wayne, Indiana to Dallas to live close to my sister and move into a retirement community down there as they get older, and that was very, very difficult for all of us. They've lived there for 32 years. They moved there when we moved here so they could be close to us here, and and, and and be close to our kids, and, and that was their life, and it was hard, it was really hard for my mom to, to give up all those relationships and say goodbye. But one I'm thinking about in regard to God and Jesus is kids going to college. Some of you have done it, some of you haven't, but you, 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 you're gonna get it, right? Um, you know, our middle daughter went to Wheaton, so she was close, it wasn't really completely that hard, and our younger daughter was ready to leave at age 12, and we were ready for her to leave at age 13, so that wasn't really that hard either, okay? But the first one's always the hardest, right? I mean, the first one's always the hardest, and Rachel went to Belmont in Nashville, and and so we take off, and we take her down there, and it's just this this emotional weekend, And um, we're getting towards the end on Sunday when we're supposed to leave and come back and and uh, and you know all these emotions are going on and she's gonna have two roommates because everything was really crowded and I know that Rachel doesn't sleep well because she got that from me and so I'm thinking of how can I make her room set up exactly right and I wanted to go to Home Depot in the just a couple hours that we had left so that I could get her room set up right for her mom wanted to have a nice lunch I thought we could do both and it didn't work out that way. So we went to Home Depot and then we went to Wendy's and then we said goodbye. And then Denise and I had the biggest fight we've ever had in our entire life with our kids in the back, like eight hours all the way driving back in the minivan to to Chicago. Why? Because I'm an idiot, A, but it was the emotion. Around the whole thing, I mean, it, 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 it was. It, I mean, it still kills me. And those were back in the days when there's no Zoom and there's no FaceTime, so we could call her, uh, you know, but we couldn't see her face, and we couldn't listen to her beautiful voice sing, and we couldn't feel her hug. And and I know that you've heard that God loves you and that Jesus died for you, but the untold story of Christmas takes place in that God sent part of Galatians 4. Let me tell you a story from World War II. When the Nazis invaded Poland, there was a man named Witold Pilecki, who was a member of the Polish resistance. And he did an amazing thing. He volunteered to have himself arrested by the Nazis. He volunteered because he knew where he would be taken. He knew he would be taken to Auschwitz. And we've all heard of the horrors of that Nazi concentration camp. But back then... Nobody knew about it. I mean, Auschwitz had become the most notorious of them all, probably thanks to Steven Spielberg. But in the early years of the war, nobody really knew what was going on there. So we told Pilecki he'd volunteered volunteer to have himself arrested so he knew he would be sent to Auschwitz and the world would know what was going on. And for two and a half years, Pilecki lived and suffered among the people, the imprisoned Jews and the Poles and the Russians and, you know, everybody else that was living in the horrors of Auschwitz. And he found out that thousands of people were being tortured and massacred and and gassed to death and their bodies disposed of in ovens and mass graves. And he smuggled all that information out through the laundry of the officers of the death camp to the people of the resistance on the outside. And he was the very first person to get the information out about what had been going on. But in order to get that information out, he had to go in. The NPR story said, having a beautiful wife and two kids he loved dearly, he decided to leave them behind and go to Auschwitz. And as soon as I heard that, I thought of what it must've been like For that man to say goodbye to his wife and children. I mean, what do you say to your wife and your kids because you're choosing to go to the most horrible place on earth, a place where people were sent to suffer and die. Can you imagine that goodbye? That's the love story of Christmas. That's the back love story, the untold love story of Christmas. I mean, this isn't Auschwitz, okay? Life can sometimes be okay, but everyone here, and some of you this Christmas in a way that you've never known before, know that we live in a messed up world, that our planet is sick and it's ridden with suffering and sorrow and pain. And nobody on earth knows what it's like to be with God in a perfect place where there's no death or mourning or crying or pain, but that's where Jesus left and said goodbye to that first Christmas. And I gotta think Earth at its best had to be a kind of an Auschwitz to the one who had always known the wonders of a perfect world with his perfect father. You know what I'm saying? So why did he choose to say goodbye? At the end of the NPR story, it talks about Pilecki and why he would do what he did. And it said, human beings were the most precious thing for Pilecki, especially those who were oppressed. He would do anything to liberate them, to help them, as do most of the people that go into the armed services, that go into a place to go to war to fight for our freedom and our protection, right? That's why he said goodbye to them, because human beings were were oppressed and they were precious to him, and he couldn't stand not doing something about it. Eighty years ago in wartime Poland, a resistance fighter said goodbye to his family and went to a prison camp where he knew it would eventually cost him his life, which it eventually did. And 2,000 years ago, a son said goodbye to his father in heaven, both of them knowing for sure it would cost him his. We've all heard how the wise men brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gold is for someone born to be a king, right? Frankincense and myrrh are oils, okay? And since some of you know that my daughter sells doTERRA essential oils, insert joke here, right? Something to rub on the baby's feet so he will sleep better and get into Harvard someday, right? That's how it's going to work. But frankincense was used in religious ceremonies. So frankincense was for a priest, okay? So you got gold for a king, frankincense for a priest. All of these symbols are really, really important. But myrrh was the outlier. It's also an oil, but it was used to prepare bodies for burial. It was a gift for somebody who was born to die. Somehow, these guys... From another religion in another country were prompted by God to bring myrrh. So the untold story of Christmas is that Jesus was born to be a king and a priest and he was born to die. And when the father and son said their goodbye in heaven they knew not only that it would mean Jesus coming to be born as a baby in a manger And they would lose the closeness that they had enjoyed since the beginning of the world. But they also knew that they wouldn't see each other face to face again until Jesus had died a gruesome, awful death to pay for our sins. And please don't go, yeah, but God knows everything. He knew that Jesus would rise again. Yeah, he did. But would you do it? You see, I I think we've been told, rehearsed, to think of Christmas as that time when you go to church and you feel warm and fuzzy because baby Jesus is born. And then on Good Friday and Easter, you're supposed to go to church and be sorry for your sins that put him on the cross and what Jesus went through for you. But, but listen to this. The road from Bethlehem leads inevitably to Calvary. And Jesus' suffering didn't start when he went to the cross. It started when he left his father's side. It started when they decided to make us in the first place and knew that Jesus would have to die to give us the freedom of choice to be able to live with God in heaven. Has anybody told you that before? Has anybody told you that for the love of you, Jesus left his father's side and went to earth? That for the love of you, he he left the wonders of heaven and went to the death camp of earth? For the love of you, he left the one that he loved more than any other, and who loved him more than any other. Christmas is a love story. It's a story of God who loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him, whoever would have faith to come to him for the forgiveness of their sins and love him back, that person would have everlasting life. And it doesn't ultimately matter whether we can comprehend the whole Trinity thing and the father-son relationship thing or not. What matters is that we know that Christmas means that a father and a son loved a sick, dark, messed up death camp world so much that they said a painful goodbye, the most painful goodbye that has ever been said. And it was all for you. That untold story of Christmas is the one you need to hang on to. Let's pray together. Lord, as we listen to Noel for just a moment and think about what you've done for us and spend a moment in prayer at the end of the service, will you help us Amen. to remember that it, wasn't just about Christ, that it wasn't just about Easter and Good Friday, that it, it was about the whole thing. It was about the whole of human history. That you knew that the only way to have people someday have a relationship with you is if they chose it you couldn't force it on us but we had to choose it but you also knew that we would choose to stray that we would choose to not follow you and that those sins would need to be paid for so you sent your son so that whoever believes would not perish but have everlasting life and and we quote that all the time and we think about everlasting life and we think about not perish and we, we think about all of those wonderful things but God so loved the world that he gave that you sent and Jesus that you said yes thank you for the story of Christmas Be with us as we embark upon this week. Be with us as we start services and we start having people show up that don't really understand all of this stuff. And we explain more of the backstory of Christmas and help them to understand that you're not a God who made up rules that we can't follow so that you could be mad at us. You're a God who had standards and knew that we would break them And you just wanted to make sure we understood that when you sent your son so that he could pay the price and we could have the rights, full rights as sons along with him.
1: It's an amazing
0: story. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.